everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is the Thursday edition, our special picks edition. Not on a Friday this week because we got to get in before the Browns game. Uh, I am Dan Lobby. I'm joined today by Doug Maurice. Doug? How are you? I'm doing well. Excited for week two. All right. Ellis Williams joining us also. Ellis, what's up? I'm cool, man. Crazy night in the NBA last night and still no all 22 game film to watch. So it's Wednesday. I don't know. The struggle is real on, on that front. And representing our Football Insider subscribers this week, Ronnie Butcher. Ronnie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. All right, uh, before we get going, I want to let everybody know in the second half of the pod, uh, you're going to get to hear from Tyler Dragon of Cincinnati.com. He covers the Bengals. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot and I spoke to him uh, a little bit earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday, so you're get, you'll get to hear from Tyler Dragon in the second half of this episode. But guys, we have some picks that we have to get to, and we've got to talk about records. we got to put it out there. Uh, Ronnie... You're going to have to pick it up for the Football Insider subscribers because last week, uh, our guy Terry went one and three uh, picking games against the spread. So, uh, so we're going to need you to kind of pick that up. Ellis, uh, you might be a little angry at Randy Bullock. He missed that kick, grabbed his, his calves or whatever, and you went one, two, and one last week. Otherwise, you would have had a respectable two and two week. Um, I'm going to put in that I never lose soundbite here maybe. Uh, and then, of course, I went two and two, so I'm okay with that. There's room to get better. Flush it. And, Doug, here's your moment. Hmm. You went three and one. I didn't even realize that. was not aware of, of, of my uh, great week. I will say that I'm not going to scream as much on this podcast because the one last week is the one I yelled about the most. So I overshadowed my own three wins by screaming about Josh Allen. So I'm just going to be very calm with my picks and take my fake money. 
I will be uh, I'll be giving giving getting you my Venmo information so you can send me my six dollars. Yeah. Fair side bet. Doug, you were the winner last week, so go ahead and get us started with the first game. So I think Tom Brady might stink. The the Bucks uh, were not that competitive with the Saints. They scored a garbage touchdown last week, and so I'm going to take Carolina plus nine and a half. Carolina did play a competitive game in the 30s against the Raiders last week, and I don't know is Tampa going to like slow that down? I think I think Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Rule and everybody in Carolina will get better as they go. They have Christian McCaffrey. That feels like a lot of points to get against a 43-year-old quarterback in a system that might not fit him. So I feel very good about the Panthers plus nine and a half against Tampa. Oh, I had this on my list, but I, I crossed it off. I'm scared of that. I'm just scared of Tom Brady. Uh, Ronnie, what do you think of that one? Um, no, nah, I'm, I'm not agreeing with Doug on that one. <laughs> I'm going to pick against him on that one. I, I don't see it. But, uh, you know, who knows? It's a 50-50. I don't think I would pick. I, I'm not picking on that game, but I wouldn't pick Carolina on that one. Ellis, you're the, you're the Tom Brady guy here. Stand up for, stand up for your guy. Yeah, and that's, that's not going to change. Look, the Saints, and I'll talk about them later with a little tease there. The Saints uh, had a lot of things go their way. That, that pick six was real, unlike Tom Brady. Um, and it just felt like, and it looked like, Tom was getting used to a new offense, and that is to be expected. Browns fans know what that's all about here in Cleveland. So I'm not picking against Tom. And that, Pan that Panthers offense is still new also. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was 22 at 38 off the top of my head. So I just – that's a, that's a bold first pick. But, hey, it, it is a lot of points. Like I, I, I do agree with that. You, it's almost pushing 10. That still just is a ton of points. There's a lot of big lines this week. It's interesting. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of big lines that it's sort of like, well, do I really – you, you want to take the points, but it's like, man, there's some good teams that are giving up a lot, and they're just good. I just don't think Tampa – is on the level of a lot of these other teams who are given a lot of points this week, whether it be Kansas City or Baltimore or some teams like that. So I, I just I, – I think Tampa will win. I just think Tampa will win like 23-17, and I'll have a smooth, easy win. All right. Well, I think everybody else still has their uh, all their games left. Nobody else is, is taking that one. Like I said, it was on my list, but I crossed it off. I just – I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what I think of Carolina yet. and you never know what, what Tom can do uh, once he gets out there. Uh, I'll tell you what. I will go with my game here. This is my overreaction game. This is my, we always overreact to week one. This is my overreaction pick. I am going to take the Rams minus one and a half against the Eagles. That's a 1 p.m. game. Jared Goff's eh, not always great in those early games, but I think the Rams are back. You know, it hit me. They went nine and seven last year. We would talk about them like they went five and 11. I thought they looked great on Sunday night football. I think Sean McVay has a swagger back. I think Philadelphia is not going to be able to keep Aaron Donald off of Carson Wentz. He's going to spin into like eight more sacks in that football game. Philadelphia might be my new hate watch team. I'm taking the LA Rams minus one and a half over the Eagles. Yeah, Dan, I, I, I like that pick. It, it's interesting, again, to put a Browns angle on this. Really got to watch the NFC East this year. And we said that when the schedule came out, if that's a division that, doesn't no one wants to win it that's going to favor the browns and of course the north the afc north here so i i, I tend to agree with that i get i get worried taking a, a road favorite uh perhaps it's a bounce game for the eagles i also think that washington defense is very underrated and that's going to just become com common knowledge soon uh but yeah i not a lot of disagreement there if i had to take a side i, I agree with you give me the rams 
We have to remember, I mean, it's fascinating. There's a lot of quarterbacks that get lumped in together, right? But obviously Goff and Wentz are connected in a lot of ways. So I think it's just important to remember that whichever one of those quarterbacks wins this game is the quarterback that Hugh Jackson will say he wanted to pick. <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. <laughs> it's not Pat Mahomes anymore? It's also Pat Mahomes. If Hugh Jackson had his way, the Browns would have Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Pat Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson, and they'd have a rotating four-headed quarterback. <laughs> and, and I think Ronnie would be very happy with all of those quarterbacks on the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Ron, Ronnie, I want your first game. Um, I, I, I hate doing this, but I, I can't. This looks to me like I, I'm out uh, on the putting green with three of my buddies that are giving me an 18-inch putt for free. Uh, that's I can't see the Steelers not covering against the Broncos. Uh, that defense, I just think, will wreak havoc. Uh, ben doesn't look um, any worse for wear. It being his first game back after uh, you know being gone so so long. I, I see them blowing the Broncos out at home. I like that pick. I, I'm not sure. I mean, Drew Locke for the Broncos, he's a young quarterback trying to find his way. I think you see that. And I think you're right on Ben. I mean, he, he looks a little older, but he still looks like a guy who can, who can get it done. I, I won on the Steelers last week. I'm not picking this game, but I think the Steelers are a great, a great team to hit early this season. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those clips on Twitter when Skip Bayless is arguing against himself or Stephen A. Smith. That's basically what I'm about to do here. Cause I've, talked about the Steelers as an AFC North winner. Um, but I'm wondering, I'm on the fence on this game because of this. Denver looked good on Monday night. Couple Jerry Judy drops near midfield. They had a weird defensive uh, roughing penalty that extended a Tennessee drive. Just an odd game. And I thought they could have, they were better than the, the final score showed. And Pittsburgh did look good against the Giants, but I don't know, just talking about the NFC East, I don't know if that's a good measuring stick with it being the Giants. So I'm not against the pick. I just, I wouldn't pick this game. But I, again, I would not be shocked if Pittsburgh, that defense playing at home, blows Denver out. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a safe place to land, I think. This is, this is another one that I looked at. I, I decided not to, not to do it, but it's one I kind of stopped and looked at. I can see Pittsburgh beating Denver by eight. It's a seven and a, I've got seven and a half here. All right, Ellis, give us your first game. No duplicates yet. You got to get to yeah. one eventually. Yeah. So let me start with this, with me going one, two, and one. Any gambling addict will tell you that a push is a win, baby. So never lost. <laughs> it stands true. Never lost. All right. Let's pivot back to that, the Saints here. And I'm going to take the Raiders plus five and a half at home versus New Orleans. Uh, again, I already talked about why I think that Saints game was a little dressed up. No Michael Thomas. I'm really worried about Drew Brees. He only passed for, I think, like 165 yards with Michael Thomas. Now, without him, I have no idea if this is accurate. I, I could see Taysom Hill playing a lot more. They're going to run the ball, obviously. Um, and one more thing for you here. The Raiders offense scored on six and nine possessions, four touchdowns, two field goals. And one of those field goals was on the two-yard line. And I just believe in John Gruden, man. Give me more of that. Just give me John Gruden. Give me that offense. I think the Raiders, who the Browns will see later, are a playoff team this year and that that line we're going to look back and it's and we're going to be like oh, that was off you just believe in john gruden who doesn't man come on i took him you took him too two believers in john gruden I take the raiders i i think that the i think new orleans is going to struggle a little bit without thomas and uh they may try to find themselves a little bit in the raiders 
uh, yeah, I looked at their offense too, how they were moving the ball. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to be ready. I typically wouldn't, uh, <laughs> wouldn't pick that. Uh, they're traveling to New Orleans, I believe on this one, aren't they? And uh, I, th I think uh, it might be, in, I think it might be at the new stadium. It might be in Las right. Vegas. Ah, okay. Well, I'm even more Still. confident about it. So yeah, yeah, I actually got that one. And, um, you know, I think they're going to struggle a bit without Thomas. They're, they're, they're going to, they're going to find it tough to score, I believe. I, I don't know if they factored it in already, but it, I'm looking at what the opening line was. It, it doesn't feel like it has moved all that much from where it opened. So, I mean, not having Michael Thomas feels like that's, that's an extra reason to lean against New Orleans in a night like this. Like that's, yeah. that guy might be worth, that guy to me is worth a couple points on a line by himself. Yeah, why yes. they did change the line, that's strange. Yeah, I, I've got it. Raiders plus five and a half. So uh, give me that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that seems like a good one. Man, I kind of wish I would have taken that one. Can I like sneakily just add that to my list here? Speaking of John Gruden, by the way, I'm kind of like a, I'm secretly a John Gruden guy too. You know, I'm listening to that Monday night booth the other night and Fowler and Herb Street were awesome. The yeah. Monday night booth, look, give them time, three guys. You got to build that chemistry, but we had a good thing with Gruden. Yeah, he said some things over and over, repeated himself. And I kind of liked listening to Gruden in the booth. I think he's a little more, uh, you know, he, he kind of said some stuff at the combine, I think, to get some people talking. But I think he's a little more, uh, I think he's adapted a little more than he lets on. I'm not out on Gruden. Yeah, HBO would have been smart to give John Gruden a 10-year contract just like the Raiders did and just let him do hard knocks. That was incredible last season. I don't know. I don't think it can get better. That guy is just must-see television every time. You guys love this guy as a TV star. You understand this guy. He's, he's coaching the team, right? You understand he's coaching the team. This is not a celebrity contest of, like, who's the most interesting guy to watch. You want me to go back to my boring stats? I can do that again. That's how I started this thing. It's a, it's a good <laughs> offense. I love Frank Caliendo's impression of him. Let me bet $5,000 on the Raiders this week. <laughs> I'm All good. right. Doug, give us a second game. I'm going to say it quietly. I'm betting against Buffalo again. Oh, you and Buffalo. I thought you were right last week that the Jets and Adam Gase stunk, but – they were like sort of hanging around in the second half. It still feels like Josh Allen is very capable to me of just like being very off and very on from play to play. Um, Dan, you bet on Miami last week against New England, but I, I, I like Brian Flores as a guy. I mean, like I, I, when he interviewed with the Browns, I thought that was a good guy to interview. And I just think Miami might get it together. And um, I just am going to keep, I'll lose money on the bills for at least a couple more weeks. So I'm going to take Miami plus five and a half. And again, I think Buffalo might win, but I just think, I think there might be a lot of games that are in the realm of like 21, 17. So I'll take the points. Well, look in hindsight, I was crazy to, to bet on Miami. Uh, that, that did not work out well. Uh, did either of you have this game at all? I did not. Um, but if not, I'll tell you that. Sorry, Dan, I, I thought about it. I'll say this. Josh Allen, two fumbles. It was a theme last year. Clearly, it's something he's either not going to correct or needs too fast. I'm hesitant on the Bills, too. I said that last week. And I like the Dolphins. But, again, we might – Doug, me and you might just be on the wrong side of this Bills, this Bills uh, take for the year, but we'll find out soon. I will guarantee Ooh. that – I will guarantee I that when, when the Bills make the Super Bowl, I will pick against them. <laughs> well, Doug – 
you can keep picking against the Bills and Josh Allen, and I'm going to stick with my tried and true formula for my second game, picking against Adam Gase, and who knows if he's any good Sam Darnold. The San Francisco 49ers, sure, they're going on the road. It's on the East Coast. It's a 1 p.m. game, but that team is not going to start 0-2. They're going to go to New York. They're going to beat Adam Gase and the Jets. The drumbeat to Gase being the first coach fired continues. I'm going to take the 49ers minus seven, minus seven on the road in New Jersey against the Jets. And I'm getting a thumbs up from Ronnie. Yeah, I got that game too. That's my last one. Perfect. I don't see them losing that game. There's no way. I think they go into in New York and they hand it to them. I see that one to probably, you know, at least double figures. Yeah, I'm starting to get jealous I didn't take this one either. Um, do we have any idea what the Adam Gase first coach fired line is? Because it's got to be, like, <laughs> you know, like a creeping towards heavy favorite, you know, uh, Lakers and LeBron status right now. Because, I, I mean, it's, it's getting bad. Well, when you take, out, did you take out the possibility that the Browns coach could be the first one fired, you really open up <laughs> the opportunity for someone else to become the heavy favorite. Um, I do think that the, the NFC West is going to be really competitive, right? I mean, like the Rams look good. The Seahawks look good. Arizona beat San Francisco last year. Like you can't start 0-2, I don't think, in that division. And so it does feel like this might be – and the Jets are just – I think, Dan, you're on it. The Jets are just bad. And the, the, the Cardinals might be good. I think, I think there may be something – at play here where this line maybe even though it's a, a road game for the Niners maybe should be even bigger but they lost to a, a pretty good Arizona team last week I think this is a really smart pick all right hey I'll, I'll take it I'm telling you just just like you and Josh Allen just go ahead and, and write me in for the jet that's the first game I'm going to look at every single week is who are the Jets playing and is Adam Gase still the coach all right, uh, so I've got two. Uh, yeah, I've got two. Doug, you've got two. Ronnie, we've gone through all your three. So, Ellis, give us your second. All right, let's go. Titans hosting the Jaguars. That line is minus nine. Sounds like a lot, but hear me out. Tennessee left nine points on the board, those three missed field goals. Uh, the Jaguars, 10 points off turnovers, 13 if you count a missed Colts field goal last week. The Colts lost that game. The Jags didn't win it. Um, the Jags... It was their Super Bowl last week. No one thought they'd win that game, division game. They'd do it. They're going crazy. Uh, Peter King leads with a uh, – actually, I think he talked about Trubisky. But either him or Breer led with a Trubisky or a Gardner Minshew crazy game, Cinderella story type lead when really their offense didn't even total 300 yards, uh, 241 yards of offense, less than 10 first downs – or sorry, 17 first downs. The Colts had 27. They shouldn't have won that game. Tennessee – Looks great. Already talked about that as the Monday night game. And they're going to just clobber the Jags, who already, again, played their Super Bowl last week, and we won't hear much from them the rest of the year. Doug, do you know what's different between you and me and Ellis? You, Ellis, you, Ellis is more handsome? Well, that, of course. But then also you and me are sitting here talking about you're going against Josh Allen all the time. I'm going against Adam Gase all the time. And then Ellis just has, like, a book of stats to read us every every single week this is uh this is going to be a problem as we go forward and, and ellis starts to to recover from that start to uh to his picks this year if he uses stats and starts beating us i'm just going to call him a handsome nerd the whole time so <laughs> be ready ellis hey right, you're, never gonna, you're never going to hear me talk about against the spread i think you can find that anywhere but i will give you on-field data and what my eyes tell me it's that simple never lost <laughs> 
<laughs> Doug, give us your third pick. Okay, so this, this contributes to the discussion that we're going to have at the end about the Browns. I think it's possible that the Ravens are awesome. And I, I, th I think we may come away from week one in the end realizing that a lot of that was just how good they are. So I can't believe the Texans got the Chiefs and the Ravens to open the season. That is a tough opener because I love Deshaun Watson. I think there's a lot to like about the Texans, but they were down 31 to seven against Kansas city last week in that Thursday night opener. They scored two touchdowns in the last half of the fourth quarter, or they would have gotten blown off the field. Baltimore's getting seven to go there. That doesn't feel like all that much to me. It feels like Lamar really is making a, maybe a next step as a passer. And so I like, I just think maybe the Ravens go hang another, another 35 out there and win by two touchdowns. So I'll take Baltimore minus seven against Houston. Yeah, Doug, probably the uh, least hot take. Baltimore is awesome. I, th I think you're right. Ronnie, for, from a fan perspective, I'm curious, we're a couple days out from that loss. Have, have your feelings from that loss faded? What, what did you think of that game on Sunday? And kind of where are you with, with this Browns football team? We're going to get to your pick a little later, but just, I don't know. Like everybody else, you know, you're hoping, uh, you're, you're hoping that you see 50 runs and about 19 <laughs> to 20, you know, play action fakes. And that's not what we've seen. And that's what I was disappointed in. I was disappointed in, I was disappointed in, in the game plan, but if I'm Stefanski, maybe I'm looking at it like, okay, I know this is probably going to be our toughest game of the year. Do I really want to show my hand right now? You know, and, you know, so maybe he didn't want to, you know, run that ball 45 times and, you know, and do the play action fakes. And Baker, you know, I'm frustrated seeing the same thing with, with Baker. And it's not necessarily him. I think teams are playing him. They know that you don't have to sack him. And a lot of times you don't even have to chase him out of the pocket, get in his way so he can't see his receivers and he can't, and he's not accurate. And, and that's what I'm seeing. I mean, uh, I, I felt like the reason why you only got sacked twice is they were, they just like our own defensive linemen, they were staying in their gaps and that's why they, we, we, we held their run in check. So I'm disappointed, but at the same time, I don't think Stefanski showed his hand. I wasn't a big fan of the, of the play fake, the, the fake punt. I felt that, <laughs> Uh, you know, that was a no-win situation. What happens if that doesn't work? You leave the best field goal kicker with a freebie at the 31-yard line, and I didn't like it. If it was at the 50 or 45 and you give your defense a chance to stop them, I, I, I probably would have been okay with that. I think I was more disappointed in the play calling. The team was sloppy. Uh, but, I, you know, the, the, the most gratifying thing, I guess, was the offensive line, defensive lines, they look good to me. So – I think that's a good start. It's not the end of the world. Uh, I'm over it. Let's go to Cincinnati. All right, Ellis, give us your third game. Well, it was Doug's game. All right. Yep. So I couldn't agree more, Doug. Ravens are good, right? Well, but I, I got, I got uh, no stats for this game because all I have here is 16-0 question mark. And also, we're going to look back on this line, and it's one of those games that probably should have been double digit. And how about this one in potentially a good pivot point here for us to get into the Browns game. Uh, Deshaun Watson is going to lose two straight games to his peers, that being Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. What's the difference outside of us splitting hairs here about their talent? Franchises, their infrastructure, who's leading the, these organizations. And 
we're going to talk about that a lot this year with the Browns, and I'm worried Deshaun Watson is already a victim of that despite joining that $40 million a year club. It's, the Ravens are going to run away with this one. All right, I got one more game here, and it, it kind of goes along with this one because you mentioned the, the peers of Deshaun Watson. My final game is I'm going to take the Chiefs minus eight and a half over the Chargers, much like you, Doug, with Baltimore. We know the Chiefs are just awesome. We know what that offense can do. Uh, I am not impressed with the Chargers offense. Terod Taylor missed a lot of throws against the Bengals. Now, they have better receivers uh, than the Texans have, so they might be able to, to do a little more damage to that Chiefs defense, but, but I don't know. I, I like the Chiefs minus eight and a half over the Chargers, even with that pass rush that L.A. has. I, I just think that the Kansas City – I think Kansas city can win any game by nine or 10 points. So I'll take them eight and a half in this one. I really think we might get to a point with those offenses and with the Ravens and the chiefs by week four or five, they may be double digit favorites every week because it just, you can't get away from it. And that's where people are going to settle. And so I think we, I think all of us might be catching some light lines early on, on Baltimore and Kansas city while we know they're great, but maybe the, the odds makers and the public are underestimating just how, how great. Okay. We got to do our Browns picks. So uh, what we've got right now is the Browns minus six. I'm going to check that live here on, on the pod to make sure we're still sitting at six. Yep. Cleveland Browns minus six. We're recording this on the Wednesday before the game. Ronnie, as our guest picker, you get to go first. This game scares me, Dan. I'm going to be quite <laughs> honest about it. It does. It should be a game that we, um, that we go and, 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 and wipe them clean. But that defensive backfield of ours is, uh, you know, Cincinnati watched film. They know how shoddy we were. That scares me. Mixon scares me. Um, but I'm going to – I got to pick us to cover that game. I, I got to feel that we're going to be ready. Uh, we're going to lean on that run game a little bit more. Uh, more into, I think, the true identity of the team. Um, and I think the Browns cover that. I think we win it uh, seven or eight points. Ellis? Yeah, I write a, a, a preview story, a look-ahead story uh, every Sunday night about the Browns' next opponent. I picked this game then. The line was six. I'm sticking with it. But Ronnie's right a lot, of, right a lot about a lot of this. I'm worried about the game specifically where my concern comes in outside of the talent of Mixon and those receivers, Joe Burrow's feet look really good. And I'm not talking about the way he throws the ball. He, he did look good on that last drive, but they have plenty of designed runs built into that scheme. And his first touchdown was a quarterback draw. The Browns had troubles last year picking up quarterbacks who decided to take off at inconvenient times for them. And the defense is now worse I don't know if they have the athletes to keep up with Joe Burrow. And he's a guy you just – when you cover everyone and then he's going to take off. I'm really worried about that. But Ronnie said it earlier, I've been picking the Browns because they got a better offensive line, a better defensive line. The Bengals have terrible offensive line and a fair defensive line, but I still think the Browns is better. So it's a game that the Browns need to win up front. I think they will, and they'll win this game. And okay, this is obviously need the six. I mentioned that the Rams-Eagles was my overreaction pick, right? Well, this is my underreaction pick. I, you know, Baltimore, as we've talked about, really good. Now, should you lose to them by 32 points? Probably not. But I'm not going to change my entire outlook of the Browns just because of that. The Bengals, they win that game, or they should have won that game, I, I, may, I mean to say, against the Chargers. 
uh, or at least gone to overtime. Joe Burrow looked good, but still looked a lot like a rookie. He had that, that really bad interception to Melvin Ingram. Uh, looked great on that final drive. Joey Bosa was just all over him, especially in the first half. Like I said, we, we, we talked to uh, Tyler Dragon about that in the second half of this podcast. Um, I'm not going to overreact to either of those games. Um, this is my underreaction game. I'm going to take the Browns. I'm going to take minus six. I think they win and they cover. Doug? Tyler Dragon, by, by the way, is the name I would like to be referred to as the rest of these podcasts. That is my new gambling <laughs> name. I'm Doug Maurice, the writer, but I'm, I'm Tyler Dragon, the gambler. Yeah, shout out. Hey, quickly, shout out Tyler Dragon. He's a, a great reporter, a friend. Um, I, I'm sure that conversation went great. I can't wait to hear it. So that name is just dope. Isn't it? Doug, I completely agree. That, guy, that guy's got it going on there. I'm taking the Browns also. I agree with everything everyone said. I just think if you are not taking the Browns here, I think it's because you think like it's over. You think that Baker is Baker and he's just not going to be accurate. You think Baker and Odell are never going to work. Like, you know, the offensive line like played pretty well last week, right? That that was such Mm -hmm. an issue last year. It's like, my gosh, could they get some protection? It's like, yeah, they, they could get some protection. Like Larry Ogunjobi played pretty well. Like they played really well last week. There were some things, some of the things that were problems last year looked better. And then it was like some of the issues are still sort of lingering. I still think Baker's going to be better in this system. I don't think, you know what? I think the whole, I am going to call the plays and be the head coach stuff caught up with Kevin Stefanski a little bit last week. And I'm not saying he made the wrong decision, but it, I mean, I've seen a lot of smart people talking about Mary Kay wrote about how little play action they did a lot of other coaches who were in that same sort of line of thinking, they did a lot more play action last week. It's like, what did you do? Like you didn't do the thing that you're so, and I know the game gets away from you this game. I I think this team is also not, I mean, it's not yet. They don't know how to win yet. And I think sometimes when they get down, the game gets away from them. And then you look and say, my gosh, they lost by 30 points. And it's like, well, not to make an excuse, but they were competitive for like a solid, two and a half quarters, right? With, or at least until halftime, at least one in one in seven eighths of a quarter <laughs> against what might be the best team in the league. Like they really were there. So, I mean, if you're done with them, then you're worried about the rookie QB. And I'm not saying you should be worried, but to not take the Browns minus six on a short week against a rookie QB to me implies you think they're going to have a terrible year. And I don't think they are. So I'm in agreement with everybody Browns, given the six all right nobody uh nobody going the other way on the browns all right so let me uh let me recap everything make sure we have this all right everybody's taking the browns minus six over the Bengals. doug our, our current leader has the panthers plus nine and a half over the bucks the ravens minus seven over the texans and the bills of course minus five and a half over the no no you have the dolphins plus five and a half just make sure every time you can't think what did doug well pick? that's how i caught myself he picked against Buffalo, whatever the Dolphins, it was. Plus five and a half over the Bills. There we go. Ellis had the Raiders plus five and a half over the Saints. The Titans minus nine over the Jags and the Ravens minus seven over the Texans as well. And Ronnie had the Steelers minus seven and a half over the Broncos. Raiders plus five and a half over the Saints and the 49ers minus seven over the Jets. I also had that last game plus the Chiefs minus eight and a half over the Chargers and the Rams minus one and a half over Philly. 
So good slate of games. A lot of differences there. Last week we had a lot of overlap. This all week, I um, hear is winners. That's all I heard. <laughs> winners. You are correct because I just listed off my games. <laughs> there you go, Dan. All right. Uh, Ronnie, we appreciate you jumping on and representing our football insiders. I have to ask you this, of course, because you guys are our biggest, I guess, endorsers, if you will. Um, I mean, what is it about Football Insider? Why do you, why do you kind of value this subscription? I, I uh, you know, getting the articles, uh, getting the news before everyone else does mean a lot to me because I'm voracious Browns reader. Also, it's not just the facts that I get, it's your personal feelings about things because you guys are close to the team, you're close to the players. And that means something as a fan um, in terms of the information you're passing. So, yeah, uh, the personalization in it, um, it, it means a lot. It does for a fan. Very cool. All right, well, we appreciate you uh, jumping on. And if you want to get on board with Football Insider and maybe get in on some of these picks pods, all you got to do is start your 14-day free trial text 216-208-3965. All right, Ronnie, we appreciate the time. Ellis and Doug appreciate the time as well. Uh, stay tuned after the break when we talk to Tyler Dragon all about the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, now we welcome on Tyler Dragon from the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can get all of his Bengals coverage at Cincinnati.com. Tyler, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to this podcast. I follow uh, you guys' work, and you guys do a great job of covering the Browns in Cleveland. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, so what we're wondering is, uh, first of all, tell us about Joe Burrow, what that debut was like, and what are you expecting in this big matchup between these two number one picks? Well, it was an up and down performance from Joe Burrow. He actually gave himself a D for, for his performance. I gave him a C, so I wasn't as critical as him, himself. He threw a costly interception that landed right in Melvin Ingram's hands. It was kind of a rookie mistake. And then he had an overthrow to A.J. Green that would have been a 31-yard touchdown. So those are two critical plays that he definitely would like back. But he put his team in position to win the game. The Bengals were in the red zone with uh, under 10 seconds left. He threw a, a touchdown pass to A.J. Green, but that was nullified by offensive pass interference. And then the Bengals had a game-tying field goal attempt at the uh, very end, and Randy Bullock uh, missed it wide right. He says that his calves tightened up. I think it's a little bit of excuse, but that's what he said. He, he, and he was actually on the injury report, and he's go going to be available uh, this week uh, against the Browns. But, you know, overall, I thought Joe Burrow did pretty well for, you know, a rookie starting quarterback. He was the only rookie to start week one. So he was as advertised as the uh, most NFL-ready draft prospect in the NFL draft coming out so overall I would have gave him a C um, but he would definitely like to have a win coming out of week one you, you mentioned the kicker there's going to be some kicker drama I guess we have to get to a little later but let's stay on Burrow um, you know that interception I was just really impressed with how he kind of bounced back from some of those mistakes and even you know knowing what was going to happen I'm watching that final drive and I kind of got chills a little bit. Like it was a really strong final drive. They, they probably should have won the game, obviously, at least have tied it. For, for Cincinnati fans, I guess I'm wondering what you've heard from them because I would love to know how they felt watching that final drive right up until the, the penalty and the missed kick. 
Oh, yeah. They're optimistic. They're extremely excited about uh, their quarterback. You know, they don't place any fault at, uh, on him at all because he put him uh, the team in position to win that football game. They were right down there uh, towards the goal line and they had a chance to win the football game. So they don't put any blame on him despite the interception and despite some of the overthrows. Uh, Cincinnati fans that that's their savior right now is Joe Burrow he has the keys to the franchise and he's already the face of the franchise and you know Cincinnati is kind of known as a Reds town but Joe Burrow is the most popular athlete in Cincinnati right now wow so exciting I I just think that uh, the quarterback landscape in the AFC North right now is so intriguing I think it's one of the best uh, quarterback divisions in all of football and you know it's just I'm really looking forward to uh, this matchup between these two number one picks and talk about some of the weapons that that Joe Burrow has. I mean, AJ Green is back, Joe Mixon. I mean, these guys always get up for the Browns. Yeah, AJ Green had his first game last week since December of 2018, and he actually led the Bengals in receiving yards and catches. And then as you mentioned, they have a lot of other receivers at Joe Burrow's disposal and Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and their second round pick T Higgins. So I expect them to, um, to utilize um, those receivers, but don't forget about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon killed the Browns last year, especially in the season finale. He had 162 yards. That was his career high. He likes to match up against the Browns and I expect the Bengals to utilize him a lot in the backfield. Yeah, he had his two biggest rushing performances of his career, I believe, last year against the Browns. So, so he's had big days. And, you know, he had that fumble, too. And I, I know he's looking to, to kind of make amends for uh, the, the fumble he had in that last game. One of the concerns was the offensive line. Uh, I know last year it was a big concern. Now uh, Jonah Williams is back, and, and they've invested some draft capital in that spot. But it still seemed like on Sunday, you know, Joey Bosa had a big impact on that game. And the Chargers in general were just really able to put a lot of pressure on Burrow. How big of a concern is that line? Yeah, especially in that first half. Joe Burrow was sacked three times. He was hit to the ground six. He was really under siege in that first half. Now, they did step up in the second half. Joe Burrow wasn't sacked once. He was not hit to the ground at all. And that's how when he really saw the Bengals' offense kind of get started and get moving. The offensive line is still concerned, though. Bobby Hart is a question mark. Then they're going to be without Xavier Suofilo. He's uh, out with an injury. So you have Billy Price, uh, their former first-round pick, and he's going to start at right guard. Uh, There's some question marks in that offensive line. They were inconsistent, to be sure, in week one. They need to step up their play in week two in Cleveland. You know, when I look at at the injury report, I see uh, one big name that is a guy that's always had big games against the Cleveland Browns, and that's Geno Atkins. And You know, to see that he's out in this game, uh, I think that's a, that's a big break for the Browns because it just seems like uh, you know, he brings it strong every single time uh, he plays against Cleveland. So what impact will that have? And then what do you think this defense uh, can do after, you know, after watching that film of Baker Mayfield and the game that he had and the disconnect that he had with Odell? What do you see as the defensive prospects against Baker and his guys? 
Yeah, without Geno Atkins, that's going to be a huge blow for the Bengals defense. And you saw it last week when he had missed week one. The Chargers rushed for 155 yards on the Bengals. And I expect the Browns to uh, take advantage of no Geno Atkins. And not to mention him, but their second string defensive tackle, Mike Daniels, is also out with an injury. So I expect Christian Covington to get the start, but he's no Geno Atkins. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler for a reason. So with uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt back there, I expect them to uh, have a good performance against the Bengals because the uh, Bengals' defense, they really struggle against the run. They were ranked last in all of football last year uh, against the run. And they started off this season just the same, <laughs> giving up 155 yards. So that's the uh, Browns' advantage this week. So I expect them to run the ball a lot. I know that does not make uh, Odell Beckham happy, but if I were uh, the Browns, I would run the football early and often. You know, you mentioned a guy earlier I, I wanted to ask about, and that's John Ross. Uh, obviously, we all remember that incredible 40 time, and it just hasn't translated yet to, to being a consistent receiver in the NFL. Uh, he had that ball off his fingertips in the end zone in, in week one. Where is John Ross right now as a receiver? And I guess what were the Bengals' expectations for him coming into this year? Well, Zach Taylor likes to run 11 personnel. That's three receivers, one running back, and um, one tight end. And so with John Ross in that, he's that third receiver on the outside, and he's supposed to be their deep threat. And last year, a small sample size before he got hurt in Pittsburgh in week four, he was actually among the league leaders in uh, yards per catch and receiving yards. So we, we've seen John Ross perform well when he is healthy, but consistency and health is his two biggest issues. He has not been in the field a lot because of various injuries. Last week, he did not perform well. We can uh, go back and forth whether Joe Burrow overthrew him in the back of the end zone or where it went through his hands. I believe it was, it was a mixture of both. Joe Burrow could have thrown a little bit better ball, but the top flight receivers in the NFL would have caught that pass. And so I put the onus on both of them. But overall, to say um, to answer your question, I expect John Ross to still be in the lineup. The Bengals want to get him involved, and they really need him as a deep threat because the Bengals averaged 4.4 yards per play, and that was ranked 29th in the NFL coming after week one. You know, how about the intangibles of this football game? As I mentioned, uh, last year it seems like the Bengals had a strong belief uh, that they could beat the Browns. They felt they should have beat them in the game here, and then they just went out and did it. And even though they had only won one football game. Uh, they, the Cleveland Browns went to Cincinnati and lost that game. So what do you think? I mean, do you think that they're coming in here with the mindset uh, that, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow had a, a pretty solid debut and uh, that they can get this victory? Or, you know, are they look, you think that, and do you think they, that this Browns team is improved enough uh, that they'll be able to get the, the victory? Yeah, I asked a couple players if they have a psychological advantage because of their last game against the Browns in that season finale. And they pretty much said yes. Their last time uh, they went up against Cleveland, even though it was here in Cincinnati, they came away with the win. So that was a good taste that uh, left in their mouths at the end of the season. They think that can carry over in week two of uh, this year, especially when you have Joe Mixon having 308 yards in two games 
versus the Browns. And that defense played pretty well against Baker Mayfield, too. Uh, Mayfield was intercepted five times. Darius Phillips had two of those interceptions uh, against the Browns. So I do expect them to be confident going up against the Browns. However, I have the Browns winning the game. All right. Well, we've got, we've got to talk about this kicker situation just because when do you get to actually talk about kickers, right? <laughs> Randy Bullock, <laughs> we, we talked about the, the missed field goal. They signed Austin Seibert, who the Browns waived. He was, ha- he was having his own troubles. It seemed like if everything went okay on the testing front, maybe it could be Seibert doing the kicking. But if I'm not mistaken, looking at the injury report today, and, and you mentioned it, Bullock might be able to go tomorrow. So if Bullock's able to go, is he going to be the guy or could it be cybered out there? Do we, do we just not know yet? Yeah, Randy Bullock is going to be the kicker. Okay. Uh, they only uh, added another one just for insurance, uh, but I expect Randy Bullock to be out there. I didn't really think he was that hurt anyways. I thought he just choked <laughs> and missed 31-yard field goal. Uh, he was on the injury report, as you alluded to earlier this week, but Zach Taylor said yesterday that he will be a full go come Thursday night. It, it matters, especially to Browns fans, because, look, they all close their eyes and envision Austin Seibert kicking a game-winning field goal at about 11 o'clock tomorrow night. You won't see Seibert, trust me. <laughs> this Browns defense is pretty banged up. I mean, they've got a good defensive front, uh, as, as you know, but uh, the rest of the defense, there, there are so many injuries. Uh, do you think and do you, do you get the sense that, that they're looking at this and seeing opportunities to, uh, you know, to score some points on this D? Yeah, the Bengals have opportunities on the outside, especially with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. I do expect them to uh, look their way a lot and Zach Taylor to dial up um, a lot of throwing plays. He even had five receiver sets, which – was abnormal last year. So the Bengals, they like their receiving corps. They used a second round pick on T Higgins. He wasn't that involved last week. I expect him to be involved. Uh, Tyler Boyd had kind of a quiet game. I expect Joe Burrow to throw his way. So yeah, they do have some advantages on the outside. And the strength of the Browns defense, as you said, is their uh, defensive line. So if they can get after Joe Burrow, then that's poses a whole different nightmare because you saw how the Chargers got after Burrow and it really affected him uh, in that game. All right, Browns and Bengals playing Thursday night, uh, Thursday night football. There's your preview from uh, Cincinnati. Tyler Dragon, uh, Cincinnati Inquirer, Cincinnati.com. You can get all his Bengals coverage there and on Twitter at the Tyler Dragon. Go give him a follow to get all your Bengals, uh, all your Bengals news. Tyler, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot.